See, what's interesting is the beard has kind of made a comeback, as mm -hmm. you can see in you three, um, particularly. You can grow a beard too. Nah, nah. I just. I mean, you're I mean, poking it, out there right now. This is stubble. It could be quite glorious. This is stubble. I don't, I don't want to grow it that long. It could be a pretty awesome beard. No, no. I'm okay. No. <laughs> but you could ever, be great. <laughs> did y'all ever participate in No Shave November? Yeah. No. No, never heard of that? Yeah, I've heard, heard of it. I've heard of it. Never participated in it. All right. <laughs> Move on. Move on. <laughs> <laughs> Move on. Never mind. <laughs> so, does okay. Alicia like your beard? I've shaved it one time since I've known her, and she told me to never shave it again. Yeah. <laughs> so that doesn't answer the question if she likes the beard. She just didn't like what was under the beard. <laughs> she doesn't like my face. <laughs> it looks like it looks like a full moon. It's like white, oh, white. Man. All this. It looks bad. Yeah, it's not good. I look like I look like a little kid without a beard. <laughs> like a twelve-year-old. I only have a beard out of laziness. I hate shaving. <laughs> I don't like it. Yeah. And so I trim it just every month or whatever, and that's it. Why I don't, don't you like shaving it? it? I would get just take too long, or yeah, just burn and. Oh, okay. I'm too cheap to buy razors enough. Well, <laughs> <laughs> so I'm just like scraping it away. <laughs> yeah. That's all. It's pure laziness. That's why. Well, no did fashion ever, statement. Did you ever like use that. like shaving cream or just like hot water and just water and soap? soap. Yeah. But that's why. Yeah. That would be why. We'll buy you some cream. <laughs> no, I, I, I won't use lotion it. afterwards or something. No. Yeah. Don't do any of that. You could be like Kevin. Ah! Yeah. 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 Huh? yeah. So yeah. what's the so, point here? There's so different. The, the uh, point, <laughs> what were we talking about? The point is, is, that, is that that there that um, I guess the question is. Welcome to uh, Pastors of the Roundtable. It's uh, good to be with you today. We're glad you could join us um, together. We're here around our table um, sitting together so we can talk about some more stuff from the screw tape letters um, to, to chat about it and to uh, discuss it. Um, Pastors of the Roundtable is the discipleship podcast of Monroe Missionary Baptist Church and is brought to you by Together in Christ, the teaching ministry of MMBC in Monroe, Michigan. Uh, together, we want to encourage thoughtful discussion about the Christian faith and to connect you to the people and the ministries of MMBC. Uh, sitting around the table, as usual, Tim Angeli, lead pastor here at MMBC, Scott Slater, family pastor, Matt Bates, music and media pastor, and I'm Spencer Snow, the discipleship pastor here at the church. We're continuing our talk and uh, book club discussion. This is kind of like a book club. A little bit, yeah. Yeah, it's kind of kind of cool. So we're going through the screw tape letters, um, talking about them, discussing them, kind of just using the issues that C.S. Lewis has written in the book to kind of just help us to talk about all sorts of uh, aspects of the Christian life that he finds uh, interesting from from his angles in in the book and finding it uh, helpful topics to discuss in our Christian lives together. Yeah, today we're going to talk about letters nineteen and. 20, letters 19 and 20, Screwtape is writing to Wormwood, his nephew, and 
uh, he's been uh, continuing right to uh, write to his nephew to, as to how to tempt and lead astray this Christian, the patient as he refers to him, uh, this Christian man, and how to tempt him, lead him astray, um, and uh, foil uh, his life as in as many ways as he can. And in letter nineteen, he uh, it's, it starts off hum- in uh, in very uh, humorous w- ways. Um, because uh, Screwtape is worried that uh, Wormwood has uh, shown the letters maybe to somebody else about uh, what he's said previously, and uh, he's trying to act, kind of uh, uh, wave it off as if there's nothing really, as if he didn't say anything wrong in the previous letters because he's talked about God loving uh, the human beings, and, and he's like, you know, I, I, anything this was all purely accidental. It's 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 good and it's good humor. Um, there and so he's saying no 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 but he's he says uh here in uh the first part of the letter 19 he he says this the truth is i slipped by mere carelessness into saying that the enemy really loves the humans that of course is an impossibility he is one being they are distinct from him their good cannot be his all his talk about love must be a disguise for something else He must have some real motive for creating them and taking so much trouble about them. The reason one comes to talk as if he really had this impossible love is our utter failure to find out out that real motive. What does he stand to make out of them? That is the insoluble question. Screwtip here is writing and says the fact is, is that God can't love. No being can. And he's highlighting the fact that because we're distinct from God and there's, there, there are two different beings, our being and his being, our good cannot be his good. There's no way that what is good for God, so to speak, can be good for us. So he's highlighting that, that fact. Um, and so let's ask the question first of all. He says there's, uh, we're trying to find out the question that we can't really solve. What does he stand to make out of them? What do you guys think? What what would your answer be to that question? What does God stand to make out of us? What is his real motive in making us and then in redeeming us as his people? I mean, I think scripture tells us that he has created us for his glory and for his honor, right? And his own people he saves for his glory Mm -hmm. and for his honor. And so that is what we would have to answer to that is. That's what he... I don't know how you stated it, plans to make mm-hmm. from it, yeah. is to be glorified and to be honored what, of which God deserves and him alone uh, mm-hmm. deserves. And so some people, though, do look at that as a very selfish thing of God uh, where they struggle with that. Mm-hmm. They would say, you know, he's just the epitome. Narcissist. Yeah, he's the yeah. epitome of that because he created a system of which people can just worship, worship him and glorify mm-hmm. him. You know, and that's a problem. But actually, that's the best good for us. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it's hard, it's hard, I think, for us to grasp that at times. But mm-hmm. scripturally speaking, that is why we are made, is to glorify and honor him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A passage that we read on Sunday morning not too long ago was in First uh, Peter chapter 2, verse 9. It says, But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. So the idea that we are that we are saved, that God has made us his, simply so that we may proclaim the fact that he has saved us, mm-hmm. that we may proclaim his excellencies and worship him for what he has mm-hmm. done. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, and even from Ephesians, since we're going through Ephesians, mm -hmm. like I, there's at least five times in the first chapter, I think maybe five times, that it says, uh, to the praise of his glory. Mm -hmm. To the praise of his glory. And mm -hmm. I mean, that's why we sing the song, Come Praise and Glorify. Right. I mean, that's basically <clears throat> Ephesians 1 in a nutshell, is that right. song. Right, right. Um, and, you know, mm -hmm. the, uh, the chorus to the praise of his glory. Mm -hmm. um, right. What is, okay, so <clears throat> what is it? What is glory? I didn't hear the question. What I'm is reading. glory? <laughs> you need to stop reading the Bible. I'm sorry. <laughs> What, well, he what would is, say that his face is on the podcast now. <laughs> <laughs> not by my own. How did the autograph the session go? Not by yeah, yeah, yeah. All I know is, is my child was hollering down to Marty Schramm and saying, "My dad's the, look at my dad. <laughs> look at him." <laughs> Before he church, is the service. face of everything. Um, Before church started, he asked me, "Is my dad's face going to be up there the whole time?" <laughs> <laughs> that was not my own doing. By it the will way. be the next time he preaches. Yeah. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, today we have with us a special guest from. The famed podcast, Pastors of the Round. Wow. Wow. It might just be the junk drawer. But it might just be the junk drawer. Um, so what does it mean? So we talk about glorifying God. What does it mean to glorify God? I think that's a, yeah. It's a fun word. So, so I mean, I think, I think uh, the passage that Scott read there and spoke specifically of the church. Mm -hmm. People say by God's grace, right? Honoring. So speaking from it, from that standpoint, understanding that we've been made in the image of God, we've been chosen by God, um, saved by God, redeemed by God, reconciled in Christ, all these things that God has done. Bible then says the way that we give glory to God then is to honor him in everything we do so that our whole life motivation becomes about him. So Paul would talk about it like in Romans chapter 12 that we become, we give our lives sacrificially mm -hmm. to him. We become bond servants to him. We we serve him. So where he has freed us, he has freed us from the slavery of sin that right. we've been held to and he's freed us from that. The best thing that we can now do with our freedom that we have in Christ mm -hmm. is to give ourselves to him right. fully committed. Right. And that is how we glorify him. And so it lives out differently in different people's lives, right? So like for me, I'm married. I should glorify him in my marriage. I have kids. I should glorify him in that. Mm -hmm. He's called me to be a pastor. I should glorify him in that. Um, I get to coach basketball. I should glorify him in that. For others, whatever their life is, mm -hmm. that's how they glorify God by honoring him in everything they say and everything they do and their attitudes and their actions. Um and so that's how we point glory to him is we're giving him all credit. We're giving him, you know, that we talked about it in our video that we did today as well about there's nothing good in me. We recognize that I'm a sinner. There's no merit found in me making me worthy of God, but yet he has chosen me and honored me. And so I just want to direct that all mm -hmm. to him, give everything, anything good that comes from my life. If I'm a good dad, to him be the glory because he allows me to be a good yeah. dad. Or whatever. I was just going to say, the Hebrew word for glory means weight. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's the weight of something, the, the heaviness, the, the bigness of it, the grandeur mm -hmm. of it. Mm -hmm. And so I think in the biblical sense, when you're talking about God's glory, you're talking about his fame, uh, his power on display. Let the part of him that you would look at or see or experience and be awed by who he is. And so 
So that's God's glory. Um, but then, so then the idea of like, do everything you do to the glory of God. Well, that's the idea of do everything that you do to make God's fame bigger mm. and more famous, uh, to make him even greater in this earth, whether that is whatever you have, give credit to God. Whatever has happened, give the credit to him for what he has done. And so um, that's, I guess, how I Yeah, and we got to be careful with yeah. that because I, I think, I, I know what you're saying, I agree with you, but I hear people today say, I live to make Jesus famous, as if it almost comes across as if we can add something to him, and I don't want that to come across. Mm -hmm. I can't add anything to him, mm -hmm. right? I, I can't do that. I can do my best to point people to him, but it's still him who draws people to himself. It's mm -hmm. still him who does all of that mm -hmm. sure. work. Yeah. And so, like churches have unhelpful slogans yeah, that they use. Right. Yeah. I think a lot of it really is determined by the kind of context that you're using that language in. Right. You know, obviously, right. like what we would say, you know, if in terms of making God famous, is like we try to do that on Sunday mornings by singing songs that talk about His goodness yes. mm -hmm. and His greatness and His work that He yeah. has done not the work that we do. And so, yeah. yeah, I mean, fame and how you think about that. And mm -hmm. I mean, anybody can take a word and, yeah. and yeah. taint it. I just want people idea. to, you know, that's God's goal. God, God wants us to make him famous. He wants mm -hmm. us to make yeah. sure everybody knows who he is and all this stuff. And it's like, God, God doesn't need mm -hmm. us for that. He gives us the privilege to tell people about mm -hmm. him, right? And to share the gospel with him. But it's not like his goal is yeah. make me famous. Make, make everybody know about me. Yeah. I want a picture of me. Actually, he says he doesn't want any image. <laughs> yeah, you're right. You know, like, I want everybody to know about me. Yeah. It, and you guys are the ones who are going to let everybody know yeah. know about me. I just yeah. just want to be careful, mm -hmm. you know, to thinking that we add yeah. add to that. Well, mm -hmm. Scripture says, too, that if we don't, then the rocks will cry out and praise mm -hmm. to him. Yeah. And it's not you that know, we're... All of creation does the same it's thing. It's not that we're adding to it like he doesn't already have it. Right, yeah. It's just increasing your awareness mm -hmm. of yeah. what's already there in that yeah. sense. Yeah. I'm just afraid people you know? have done that. Because when we say make people famous, what I think people really mean is I'm going to make Jesus cool to you. Mm. Sure. I'm going to figure yeah. out a way to make him cool to you or make him accessible to more people. Yeah. Yeah. Make or him accessible make to him everybody. Make him appealing to people. Yes, make him appealing mm. yeah, to that's more not, people. And that's yeah. not what we're talking about. Exactly. That's not what we're getting at. And I just, I personally try to separate myself from that crowd of wanting to make Jesus famous because... So often that is what it gets twisted yeah. into is I'm going to yeah. make him appealing to mm -hmm. everybody mm -hmm. here. And yeah. I that's not the business I think that we're supposed to be in mm -hmm. and glorifying mm -hmm. him. Sure. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the way you can think about it is who is it that you're talking about most in your church? I mean, like on, on the Sunday morning, like who is it that you're talking about? Who is it that you're praising? <laughs> mm -hmm. Who is it that you're you're thanking often? Mm -hmm. I mean, is God the subject of that? Mm. Well, all the talk after church this Sunday was a wire. Yeah, that's true. That <laughs> <laughs> fell from the ceiling. So. <laughs> you know, must have done something wrong. Yeah. Well, or he was letting down a rope so someone would climb well, up. Well, <laughs> you know, I mean, I think the idea of glory is, is good because I... God has inherent glory. Mm -hmm. He's already full of splendor. And what we do when we glorify him, we're simply declaring, yeah. reflecting that. So we don't increase God's glory. Mm -hmm. He's already infinitely glorious. But yeah, we... Would you so, say that's what praise is? Like if you're yeah. going to praise something, like you're basically just saying what is so great about... Yeah. X about... Yeah, yeah whatever praise you're praising. Is, praise is an acknowledgement. Yeah. It's a confession mm -hmm. of, of, of reality. A de yeah. declaration and of, a sharing, of, a sharing of, yeah, yeah. It's declaring. Yeah. It's it's a declaring of 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 what is what is true, 
And so that's what we're doing in praise. We're, uh, we're speaking what is true. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, and, and that's what it is to glorify God is to reflect that, to declare that, that out. So that's good. So God, God created us and redeems us to, for his own glory mm -hmm. and that we can reflect that glory, his splendor, but also does God really love us? Because I, I, one of the, one of the things will, um, <clears throat> God doesn't increase his inherent glory by making humanity. Right. God doesn't increase his inherent glory even by redeeming us. Mm -hmm. All of these things are showing us how glorious he actually is already. Yeah. Right? So redemption doesn't increase. It's not like God was 100% glorious, and then because he decided to die on the cross for us, he becomes 150% glorious. <laughs> no, it's because this is who he is that we're seeing the, this, this long thousands of year plan of God is to show forth the the heart and character of God of who He eternally is, um, and so God does really love us though too, doesn't He? Is He glorified for His own glory, but also yeah. to shower His love upon His people, mm -hmm. and that's one of the things um, that that uh, Screw Tape here is writing about is the fact that God really doesn't love anybody. Yeah, sincerely, He can't. Mm -hmm. But the reality is, is you and I know God has in a sense nothing to gain in his, I mean, we can't change his essence. I can't change the yeah. being of God yeah. to be better. He is, he doesn't change. He doesn't change. So whenever, yeah, he's immutable. He's infinite. There's nothing more I can do. So whenever he chooses to love, it's a free gift. Mm -hmm. Creation is a gift. That's an overflow of the heart of God. There's nothing like you and I, we do gain something because right. we're finite, mm -hmm. but he doesn't. So a theological word term that they would use is the aseity of God. Yeah. And that being he's self-sufficient, right? Not in need of anything else. He's complete. He's he's whole within himself, of which none of us could say of ourselves. And that's kind of what you're mm -hmm. speaking mm -hmm. to there, right? And he's also never right. changing. Mm -hmm. But that's what makes one of the things I think that we would point to to show God's love for us is that part of his being and what we've been looking at in Ephesians and even some before is this plan that God has has been done before the foundation of the world was ever put in place. Yeah. And so that's one of the ways we can say he doesn't add anything to himself because it's not right. like somebody is born and God's like, yeah, I like you. You're going to be, I'm going to have you now. Right, and it, and right. he's added something. Right. Mm -hmm. No, ever before the foundations of the world, it was complete and set in place. Who's the family of God? Who is this? Right. Who is right? the plan? Uh, all that was known, right? It's, that's, right. Who, that's who he there, is. There, there was no time when the plan was made. Right, yeah, yeah. yeah. Right, there was never like, <laughs> oh, I got an idea. And it was never a plan outside of <laughs> mm -hmm. God, right? It was just a decree. Yeah, it yeah, was the eternal decree that he just yeah. has always willed. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so that's why it's you can't say, you know, like, uh, man, we had four saved at church today. Right. We just added to the greatness and glory of God. Well, right. no, not really. They yeah. were His before the. Foundation we're just of learning. Him, so. We're just <laughs> learning about how great and glorious He actually is. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. that's, that's a good the, way to put it. That's the amazing thing I think mm -hmm. about uh, reflecting on this, and that's one of the things I, that that's helpful. Then when we think about God's love, is He has. God's, the act of creation is an act of love on God's part to let us share in because we're the image bearers of God and he, in him, we live and move and have our being. 
because he is eternal being and existence. He gives being and existence to the whole universe. Hmm. He is sustaining us. And so in a sense, we're, we're partaking of his gifts. Yeah. We're, we're, we're sharing in it. Mm -hmm. And it shows the love of God. And one of the things that, that Screwtape here is writing about is the suspicion that the demons have is God really, God has to have some other motive. God has to have some other real motive for creating us. It is to glorify himself, to show yeah. his splendor. Uh -huh. It is to love us, but that can't be it. It's that, who does that sound like? That sounds like the garden to me. It sounds like what? The garden. When, when Satan tempted yeah. Eve, yeah. God really sure. doesn't love you. It's a good, I mean, that, to me, that's an honest thing, though, because we would say that today. If right. somebody came that you never really knew to your house and they're like, I made you some soup and we made you some bread and they're just being nice to you, you might be like, I don't know if I'm going to eat this what soup. What do you want? <laughs> what, what is in this soup? Yeah, what do you What do you really want? Or and enjoy a great meal. Yeah. I have a, I have a need, you know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Or you get letters in the mail probably or phone calls. Hey, we want to give you a free uh, cruise. You want this free cruise? Oh, sure. What's the catch? What's the catch? You know, there's <laughs> yeah. always a catch, and that's just life. I mean, yeah. sin has caused. There will right. always be right. a catch. There's always some stipulation. Right. And so. It's natural to seek, seek after it. One of my pet peeves is when I get a, a phone call or like a text message or something from a, an old friend of mine in the high school. I'm like, hey, Scott, haven't seen you in a while. I see that you're in Michigan now. That's great. <laughs> I was like, I wonder if we could kind of reconnect. Yeah, sure. It'd be awesome. I miss talking to you. And they give me a call and say, hey, yeah, you know what? I wanted to tell you like what's what God has going on in my life too. Me and my wife, we're about to start f fundraising to come on the mission field. It's like, I thought you might be interested. It's like, Nope. That no. happened. <laughs> that happened. Many times. What? Uh. <laughs> yeah, to me, yeah. Yeah, so it's like... Maybe going to school in the north, I don't see many missionaries coming <laughs> my class. <laughs> Maybe it's more of a southern thing. Yeah, but no, I mean, it happens. I mean, people that you're... Yeah. You know, like we you know, we were friends, but you know, like after high school, you kind of drift mm -hmm. apart, and mm -hmm. it's like, yeah, I'd love to reconnect. That'd right. be awesome. Right. But you find out they have ulterior motives. Right. Yeah. It's stuff right. like that that makes right. you suspicious of... Oh, he's know, a Christian? Maybe he's gullible. <laughs> Maybe he'll give me some money. Oh man! No, yeah. no nope. I, I get ain't getting none of my money. Yeah, but that, but, <laughs> but, but that is it's not true. <laughs> the true heart came out. It's still out a little bit there. You ain't getting none of my money. <laughs> wow. But but I think that is one of the that is part of the um, that's an instinctive suspicion we all have of God now, don't we? Yeah, yeah. Because we, we do that with each other, right? That's right. that was the yeah. temptation of Eve, right? Yeah. God is, yeah, he's given you this whole garden. He made you out of dirt. He's given you his image. He's made you the queen of the world. Right. Yeah. And the only thing he's told you is not to eat that tree. But let's just focus on the fact that he told you you couldn't eat that one tree. Yeah, why did that happen? He gave you everything, you know. And um, so we overlook all the signs of his love. And we, we, we start to latch on something that we're now suspicious of his love. Yeah. It's, I mean, yeah. We do this. We do this in our relationships. Even yeah. you have relationships, maybe that you've had for your whole life with people that you care about. Uh, maybe maybe it's a spouse or whatever. But you focus on the thing that happened yesterday that got you upset. You know, and that's you're you're almost pushing aside all the blessing, all of the good, all of the caring, and you're just focused on mm. you know mm. she did this with the dishes or whatever that just yeah. really upsets me. Right, right. And mm. you lay aside all that other stuff to get mad about this right. one thing, and it's just it's it's as if it's part of our nature right. <laughs> now, right. right? It's just that sin inside of us that uh, 
the devil continues to whisper in our ear, do they really care about you? You know, does God really love that? That same temptation is always in our ear and we are always questioning it. And I, I struggle with that personally. I always think people think the worst of me. That's part of something that I've tried to get rid of in my life. But I always assume people think the worst of me, which causes me not to want to talk to people at the store. Or I mean, that's part of it is I'm afraid when I go to talk to them, they're really just mad at me for something. They don't want to see me. Right. They don't really care to talk. They're just angry at right. me for this or that. Right. And that's a lie. I, I believe that's a lie. Right. From Satan, right. you know, to rob me of joy right. or whatever in my sure. life. Mm -hmm. I feel like I should hug you right No, now. I don't want to hug you. All right, <laughs> <laughs> right, hug me. <laughs> Let's bring it in, guys. Let's move this table that separates us. <laughs> I feel like Tim just needs a hug. No, no. All right, well. Um, something, <laughs> something that I found, and I mean, correct me if I'm not right in saying this, I found really interesting about letter 19 mm -hmm. was, in so much of this book so far, Screwtape, a lot of it has been kind of like diving into like human psyche and understanding of like, and showing how like we actually have, like he as a demon understands things better about mm -hmm. our world and truth than we do. But in this letter, it actually seems like he is the one that has a misunderstanding mm. of the nature of true love. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Where it's like, he is basing the concept of love on maybe his own understanding of it. Mm. The fact that there can't be such thing as true selfless love. Right. Everybody has ulterior motives. Right. And so God can't really love somebody just for their own good. Right. And so I just thought, I found that interesting to where he seems to be like the one that doesn't understand yeah. something. Whereas in the rest of the book, it's obviously like they have a greater understanding of so many yeah. things. Yeah, that's a good point, Scott. Because, yeah, because I think that's what um, he... It, he he highlights uh, 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 something that is demonic, but also um, that's so naturally human in our fallen state. This is this is how we think about God naturally. Um, one of the things I really like here is there, it's almost humorous when he describes what the fall of the of Satan looked like. If you if you read this part where he says, um, uh, I'll read a section, an extended section of it because it's kind of funny. Um, but he says here. Um, when the creation of man was first mooted and then, and when even at that stage, the enemy talking about God freely confessed that he foresaw a certain episode about a cross, our father talking about Satan very naturally sought an interview and asked for an explanation. Of course, it's always very polite, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the enemy gave no reply except to produce the cock and bull story about disinterested love, which he has been circulating ever since. This our father naturally could not accept. He implored the enemy to lay his cards on the table and gave him every opportunity. He admitted that he felt a real anxiety to know the secret. The enemy replied, I wish with all my heart that you did. It was, I imagine, at this stage in the interview that our father's disgust at such an unprovoked lack of confidence caused him to remove himself an infinite distance from the presence with a suddenness which has given rise to the ridiculous enemy story that he was forcibly thrown out of heaven. Um, fascinating humor. It's kind of funny to read. Um, because, but that's really the satanic lie is God. Okay. Remember we, with Israel, we talked about this in the video, I think, but, um, why do you love Israel? Well, because I love them. Yeah, right. I made a covenant. I made a promise to love them. Yeah, but why do you love them? Because mm -hmm. they're, they're, no, they're, they're actually not that strong. They're not that great. They're a bunch of slaves <laughs> that I redeemed out of Egypt. Mm -hmm. I just love them. 
they're disobedient. They, they fail often, but I just chose to love them. And so there's nothing behind that. And, and similarly here, though, the satanic lie is, well, there's got to be some other reason. There's got to be something else here. Mm-hmm. We can't just trust grace. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I mean, again, we just don't see that love. That, so that's supposed to be the love that the church has together, right? The way we do marriage and stuff now, that doesn't. this isn't how it works. Right. There's something that draws us to each other through knowing each other, personality, looks, mm-hmm. all this stuff. And so there is... It isn't right. just, I just love you because I love you. Right. But actually in the church, when we come into the church and we join a church and God saves us together, right, mm-hmm. and unites us together, mm-hmm. why do I love you? Because he loves me. There's no other reason, right? There's right. nothing else that we have in common that causes me to love you other than that. Mm-hmm. And so that's why you should be able to go anywhere in the world to brothers and sisters in the Lord and have that same under. Understanding. I might not like your food. I might not like your culture. Like, I don't like to do these different things that you are doing. I don't get it. I don't understand it. But we can worship together and I can be united with you. Why? Because you're in Christ and, right. and I'm in Christ. It right. becomes a sort of selfless love that mm-hmm. we're supposed to demonstrate. Right. Um, and really, the church is the only place where that can be shown. I mean, marriage has been given to us and it says it reflects the gospel. And we are to strive to do that and how we uh, interact with each other. But for the most part, at least the marriages that I'm aware of and that I know of, none of them have started selflessly of just, I've just chosen to love you. Right. No reason. I mean, right. you just don't see that. But again, that is how it's supposed to be in the church. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. when somebody comes, we we love you now. Well, why? Because he loves you. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, that's why. Right. You might take advantage of me. You know, you right. might prove down the road that uh, I shouldn't have given you this much trust or something mm-hmm. like that. But in the me- right now, I love you because he loves right. you. I'm dedicated to your good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And really, the church is the only place that that exists. Right, mm-hmm. right, right. That's good. Um, so look, God's love doesn't make sense. Grace is really hard to believe. So this highlights why, again, why we have to hear the gospel often. Right. Because this is the natural way that we think. Suspicion of God, suspicion of his law, suspicion of, the, of everything, because we're always trying to bargain with God because we can't really think it's all of grace. So we've got to try to do something that we think we can control. I can't just trust him to really do it all. Um, and so... It highlights the need to come to church, highlights the need to come and hear the gospel and mm-hmm, get the gospel mm-hmm, right mm-hmm. Um, over and over again. Let's turn to letter 20. And um, he moves on uh, from, from uh, talking about God's love. But at the very end of letter 19, he's talked about how, um, you know, there mu- he says, there must be several young women in your patient's neighborhood who would render the Christian life intensely difficult to him if only you could persuade him to marry one of them. So he's starting to highlight the fact that this man, this Christian, we need to know, um, you know, we need to find us. If we can't prevent him from marrying and everything, if we need to find a marriage that is desirable from the demonic side of yeah. things, one that we can use to hinder him and um, and to to discourage his Christian his Christian walk in. And so that's what letter twenty is uh, kind of picking up on that theme. Um, uh, right away, and he's, he starts to talk here eventually about how outside influences affect what we think about 
who to marry and, and all those things. He says this right at the very beginning. He says, I haven't yet got a report from you on young women in the neighborhood. I should like it at once. For if we can't use his sexuality to make him unchaste, we must try to use it for the promotion of a desirable marriage. So he says, whatever we're, we're going to try to do, if we can't make him um, consistently living outside the sexual norms uh, that God has, has, uh, has uh, laid down, the next best thing is to give him a marriage in which it'll be a continual thorn in his side, basically, um, to, uh, to lead him away. And eventually what he says, um, uh, let me see here. Uh, the aim, he says, is to guide each sex away from those members of the other with whom spiritually helpful, happy, and fertile marriages are most likely. And he says above that, we do this by working through the small circle of popular artists, dressmakers, actresses, and advertisers who determine the fashionable type. So what Screwtape here is highlighting is that in every culture and at different times and places, um, there's going to be different um, types of, this is the ideal male, this is the ideal female, and this is what you need to be, uh, this is uh, what is attractive, and you need to look for this in a, in, a, in, a, in a person of the opposite sex as far as marriage is concerned. Um, I think we would all agree that we are really the ideals in our culture. So, you know, not everybody is going to find us. I mean, you can't clone this. So You're a prime specimen. I'm a prime yeah. specimen. Um, <laughs> no comment. I don't know what to say. All right, well. Um, that kind of that kind of was a dud joke. Um, so, but yeah, he's highlighting the fact that culture does this and that we have to be wary of it. One of the things he says uh, as an example, he says, thus we have now for many centuries triumphed over nature to the extent of making certain secondary characteristics of the male, such as the beard, disagreeable to nearly all the females. And there is more in that than you might suppose. See, what's interesting is the beard has kind of made a comeback, as mm -hmm. you can see in you three, um, particularly. You can grow a beard, too. Nah, nah. I just... I mean, you're I mean, poking it, out there right now. This is stubble. It could be quite glorious. This is stubble. I don't, I don't want to grow it that long. It could be a pretty awesome beard. No, no. I'm okay. No. <laughs> well, you could ever, be great. <laughs> did y'all ever participate in No Shave November? Yeah. No. No, never heard of that? Yeah, I've heard, heard of it. I've heard of it. Never participated in it. All right. Move on. Move, <laughs> <laughs> Move on. Never mind. <laughs> so, does okay. Alicia like your beard? I've shaved it one time since I've known her, and she told me to never shave it again. Yeah. <laughs> so that doesn't answer the question if she likes the beard. She just didn't like what was under the beard. <laughs> she doesn't like my face. <laughs> it looks like it looks like a full moon. It's like white, white. All this. It looks bad. Yeah, it's not good. I look like I look like a little kid without a beard. <laughs> like a twelve-year-old. I only have a beard out of laziness. I hate shaving. <laughs> I don't like it. Yeah. And so I trim it just every month or whatever, and that's it. Why I don't, don't you like shaving it? it? I just, would get just take too long, or yeah, just burn and. Oh, okay. I'm too cheap to buy razors enough. Well, <laughs> <laughs> so I'm just like scraping it away. <laughs> yeah. That's all. It's pure laziness. That's why. Well, no did fashion ever, statement. Did you ever like use that. like shaving cream or just like hot water and just water and soap. soap? Yeah, but that's why. 
Yeah. <laughs> that would be my idea. Yeah. <laughs> we'll buy you some cream. <laughs> no, I, I at least use lotion it. afterwards or something. No, yeah. don't do any of that. You could be like Kevin. Yeah. 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 Huh? Yeah. So what's the point here? There's different. What were we talking about? The point is, is that that there that um, I guess the question is, is um, and just talking a little bit about how outside forces determine. Mm -hmm. uh, We often think that we inherently are just born naturally knowing what is. Uh, what is manly and what's yeah, feminine, yeah. but we're actually shaped by a lot of outside forces. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's kind of interesting because as you look at art, yeah, right. You, if you look at art from like Renaissance and different mm-hmm. things, women have changed in art. Yeah, yeah. and it's because yeah. what men look for and women have changed right yeah. over time, and mm-hmm. uh, and so that definitely you can see how that stuff has an impact on yeah. what beauty is even described as or. Well, and like the medieval, to give you an example of that, in the medieval times, like it was seen as you were a rich person if you were fatter. Mm-hmm. To I mean, sorry to use that word, but if you were bigger, you ha- you weighed more, mm-hmm. you were seen as, well, you have money and you eat. And if you were really skinny, then you were most likely a peasant because you couldn't afford a lot of food. Mm-hmm. So right, yeah. like that affected the art because mm-hmm. like any depiction of a peasant would be a really skinny mm-hmm. person. Mm-hmm. And, that, you know, the king would always be... Right, right. The big fat guy yeah. with the crown, like King you know? Henry. Yeah. Or today, in, today in our age, you know, it might be more. Uh, speaking from the men's side, you know, I want a, I want a strong woman. That's who I want to marry. Well, what is the definition of a strong mm-hmm. woman? What does that, what does that mean? Well, that's probably changed over, right. yeah. over time of sure. what the definition of a strong woman is. Uh, where before maybe it would have been, you know, uh, raising kids and different things or maybe maybe more in the home mm-hmm. or now if you say a strong woman what does that mean well she's independent and yeah. she, she, a career. Yeah. she has a career ambitious she has career this, she's path, ambitious yeah. and all this stuff and so now that's the definition yeah. of a of a strong woman but that that's changed over right. over time yeah and what should be desirable in that in that way or even emotionally you know yeah. what what should be desirable emotionally yeah. from a spouse from a man what should right. a man act like mm-hmm. well before you know, a man should be a manly man, being willing to fight, being willing to do these different things. Well, now, I don't know if that's the definition of a manly man anymore. Now, a manly yeah. man is knows his feelings and is allowed to cry. Mm-hmm. And so now you have women wanting that from a from a man and sensitivity. Yeah, yeah. And so why has this why has this changed? Well, culture has changed, mm-hmm. right? What becomes normal has changed. And so I think that's what's being mm-hmm. talked about here right. is let's let culture decide. Right. What is beautiful or what is the appropriate mate right. type of thing. Right, right. What does true masculinity look like? Yeah. Grizzly what is, Adams. What is true? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but you know what's interesting is like on the one hand in, in we have uh, uh, really a feminization of, of men and, mm-hmm. and uh, boys. Like so they're supposed to do certain things that I think are too much on that side. But on the other hand, then sometimes, especially in Christian circles, you have an overreaction where it's like, if I'm not uh, you know, doing X, Y, or Z, I'm not a manly man. It so, wasn't too long ago, I remember churches probably like ten years ago, maybe maybe a little less, was trying to make Jesus be like buff. Like right. there was this talk. He was a carpenter. Dude, so yeah. he had muscles, he man. Lit, and he, dude. Yeah, he had muscles, and he was a hard worker, you know, and he probably had calluses all over his hand. And yeah. this was Jesus, in, or they really want to point out his uh, humor or something like right. that. Like, you know, this or whatever. Right. 
And I think it's a pushback to culture, right? Is what's happening. Exactly. Here, is what's yeah. happening. Yeah. Well, I mean, the interesting thing is, like, I mean, he he frames this in the context of of marriage, to guide each sex away from the members mm -hmm. with whom spiritually helpful, happy, and fertile marriages are most likely. Mm -hmm. When he says that, and it's like, if you ask somebody, it's like, what's the type of person you'd like to be married to? Mm -hmm. You know, and they probably wouldn't say that they have a certain like body physique they try not to be that shallow mm -hmm. at least but they would say something to the extent of well we need to be interested in the same things we need to you know they need to be you know have a good sense of humor they need to be able to do these things they need to be like hard worker but i mean like what you often don't think about is well they need to be honest mm -hmm. trustworthy you know those types of things that are not propped mm -hmm. up mm -hmm. in any kind of movie in any kind of cultural commentary anywhere mm -hmm. usually yeah um, and, and so this so, needs to go to parents, I think, what, what we're talking about. Because I can feel that, right? I've got kids now. Jackson turns 15 this week. And so uh, having boyfriends or girlfriends is more of a reality, you know, uh, down the road. He, he could technically be married in a few years if he, if he wanted to be, like, legally. And, and, and if so, you were in Arkansas earlier. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. So... Oh, but, depends on how many cousins you got. Yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> but even even last night, oh me and Amanda were talking with the kids. You know, I, I was doing something in the kitchen, and she was I don't I don't remember what brought it up. She's like, "Hey, do you guys want us to find a spouse for you, and we'll just pick it? We'll just pick the spouse for you. Would you guys be good with that? You know?" And they're like, "No." You know, all of them said no. But um, you do find yourself like. Hmm going to school functions and stuff and a meet, meeting your kid's friends. Yeah. And your mind as a parent starts to work like, oh, she'd be, she might be a good one for you to date or to think right. about. But then you have to start saying, what am I basing that off right. of? Yeah. I just met this person, yeah. you know, or yeah, but her parents seem pretty nice and she seems really nice and I could deal with her around, you know, I wouldn't go crazy with her around. But like you said, I don't know if she's honest you know, I don't know if she's a Christian. I don't know any of these things, but you're already starting to formulate this thing in your head that mm -hmm. is mm -hmm. essentially wrong yeah. mm -hmm. for you to do. And so I think it's important for us as parents to try our best to keep our kids focused to fight against this yeah. culture right. of what do we look for when we're right. dating and don't force them into it. I see a lot of parents forcing their kids into dating. Mm. I don't know. I, I, to be honest, I think some of it is a pushback of a fear of, I just want to make sure my kids like the opposite sex, mm. first and foremost. Mm. And so I'm going to push them into mm. this because I'm scared to death of all this that's going on. And it's an, right. over, an overreaction right. Right. Right, that pushes them into something. Mm. Um, but then you're pushing them into relationships because the kid's popular right. or the girl's real pretty mm -hmm. or they're good at sports. Yeah. or whatever right, it might yeah. be. I mean, there's other really subtle things that, that a parent could do. I mean, I, I've not gotten to the point where I've experienced this with my boys, but it's like I, I need to be conscious of the types of things that I'm sharing with my sons about this is what I find great about your mom. Mm -hmm. This is why I, this is some of why I love your mom. These are some of the great aspects about mm -hmm. why she is a great woman and why I'm happy that she's my wife. And so what kind of things am I talking about? Mm -hmm. They're, they're going to understand that and they'll, they're going to take that subconsciously and they're going to yeah. think, oh, I should look for the same thing, mm -hmm. you know. And so if there's things that aren't necessarily, you know, godly principles of yeah. what makes a, a good wife or a good husband for if I had a daughter, you know, those things are going to be communicated. Mm -hmm. It's not necessarily mm -hmm. like what are you as a parent actively trying to do. Mm -hmm. It's also 
how are you propping up your own mm-hmm. spouse and and right. sharing with your right. kids? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Right. That's what I'm trying no, to say. that's really good because yeah, I, I think um, in this whole thing here too about, um, and I appreciate you pointing us back to there, Scott, spiritually helpful, happy, and fertile marriages. Because we have to then redefine what is marriage for. Mm-hmm. Because there are, we all have probably friends in high school that were fun to hang out with or in college, but they're, they were, they, were, they might have been fun to hang out with, but they're not necessarily like the guys you're going to develop really strong spiritual friendships with, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Sure. Um, and similarly here, there may be people of the opposite sex that you could go have fun at, you know, the a amusement bowling, park yeah, with right. or bowling with, mm-hmm. but that's not what marriage is about. Marriage isn't about just having one fun activity after another planned. It's about the daily grind of going through life and being loyal to each other and being faithful to each other and helping each other through hard times and good times and having a companion there to go through life with. Um, helping, so, so really also targeting after that's the goal of marriage here. And so, therefore, you need to look for somebody who can help you fulfill that. And fertile marriages, because um, for most of our marriages, that will probably mean children. Are you going to be able to raise children with this person? I mean, you may be able to live with them now, but are you going to be able to have kids with them? And what's that going to look like? Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, and you're not going to have that all figured out initially. I don't want to make that either. But but you've got to be well, able to forecast that. But the, yeah, but that's why you do have to set up standards beforehand right. because. Right. As a Christian, if I'm going to have children, I want to raise them up in the ways of the Lord. That's what Scripture tells me to do. Right. Well, if I marry somebody who doesn't have that same belief, that's a problem. Right. And so right off the bat should be, we can't get married because you're not a Christian and I'm not a Christian. This is silly for us to get into this marriage. Right. We have totally different mm-hmm. spectrums of life. And, and uh, you know, I'm on this timeline and you're on this one. Like mm-hmm. you're going in a completely... So this would be silly for us. You're beautiful and you're fun right. and you're great to be around. Right. But your end goal is not my end goal. Right. Right. And sadly, a lot of Christians think we'll change that end goal. Right. Like, and that's not what God tells us to do. Right. He, right. He says, stay away from that. Right. Avoid that. And so there are practical things that you you can set up first to save yourself. Right. From that trouble. But sadly, we see a lot of people who enter into those relationships and then they have kids and they're like, oh, no. Are we going to go to this church or are we going to go over here? Right. And it's two big differences. Like in our area, are we going to go to the Catholic church or are we going to go to the Baptist church? Mm-hmm. It's like that's two really big differences right. that should have been thought of before. Right. 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 You know? <laughs> right. Well, and I think, and I saw, I think those are things, right, that like the things that we put at the back burner yeah. of discussions probably should be brought at the front mm-hmm. yeah. initially. It's like yeah. there's obviously things that, like at least in our culture, where you date and that's normal. Uh, there's obviously things that you're going to find out like while you're dating. Yeah. But things like, yeah. are you even a Christian? Do we understand a Christian to be the same thing right. is right. a really important right. thing too. Yeah. Uh, like you need to know that before there's any kind of date, before there's any kind of mm-hmm. relationship or anything like that yeah. built up. Yep. Yep. Um, you know, I mean, to figure that out, you know. But yeah, yeah. But, the, but there are going to be things that obviously you find out in the midst of a relationship um, that that are of lesser importance, I guess. Right. And there's going to still make an impact. And those things like, um, you know, the, the, the really boring characteristics that the Bible emphasizes, but that we don't think are exciting, like honesty, truthfulness, Mm -hmm. faithfulness, joy, peace, gentleness. Those are not the characteristics that oftentimes our culture is going to say you need to look for in a mate. Mm -hmm. 
Um, but those are the things that should be at the forefront of our um, evaluation of, of, of who we could spend life with. Um, and that's eventually what Screwtape is getting to is whatever the culture oftentimes has propped up is actually just a fake. It's false. And, uh, and the goal ultimately is just to create disappointment and destruction and uh, lead people onto a, a sad, um, destructive existence if possible. Praise God that it often doesn't happen that way. But that, that is the goal he's saying for, for, from their um, perspective. So lastly, real quick, what can we do to get a healthy view of what we ought to look for in a spouse? We've talked some of that stuff. Um, is there anything else you would you would encourage people as they're looking at the, you know, like if they're starting to date or if they're looking for a spouse, I mean, what, what are some steps they can use to, to kind of check whatever they may already have from the culture and everything? I think you can let people into decisions you make, you know, even like, so for most of the time, this is going to be uh, youth age people, college age people, young adults, usually, usually, I mean, mm -hmm. I know there's older people who are sure. single and stuff, but where you gotta you gotta let people into those decisions, and so if you have, if you're a youth and you have Christian parents, letting them in and like allowing them to know what's going on in your life. Don't make them pry mm -hmm. into your life, but allow them in. I mean, that's always been a big thing for me in counseling couples. Like, do you like their parents? If the answer is no, you probably shouldn't get married. I mean, it's going to be horrible. Like, you're going to just struggle. You're going to struggle because you don't get along, and it's going to be such a burden, you know. Yeah. And so if I can go if I can go into a dating relationship with my parents' full support, right? and I have the full support of their parents, it, it just makes things so much better, mm -hmm. right? There's trust already. There's some care that's going on there. And so let let people into that decision to maybe see, maybe you're just so smitten that the girl's so beautiful, you're missing the fact that she's crazy. I don't know. <laughs> and your friend would say, no, man, she's crazy. Like you can't, and you need to be smacked out of that. But a lot of times, sadly, we go in, right, yeah. with those decisions. This is my decision and it's on me. Yeah. Uh, but I, I think that would be a helpful one, obviously reading your Bible, <laughs> knowing what God says, the important things in life is something mm -hmm. as well. I think, I mean, one of the best things you can do is focus on becoming a godly man mm -hmm. or a godly yep. woman yourself. Mm -hmm. And by so doing, you're going to repel a lot of people that you don't need to be yeah. with in a relationship like that. Mm -hmm. So we focus on doing that. Not only, but I would say not only bringing other people into that decision, but I'm, you said this, but I want to be a little bit more explicit. Bring in people that are not in the same generation as you, mm. especially if you're a younger person. Like, People always want to be around their peers, people they're the same age as because they're in a similar life stage. When actually, if you're a young person looking to get married soon, you're in a serious relationship, you need people that have been married a long time, maybe, and see what that marriage looks like. Yeah. Your parents mm -hmm. that know you really well, that know what to look for, especially if they've had a hard marriage themselves, mm -hmm. like you need somebody with a little bit more wisdom yeah. than you to speak into that and you need to be humble enough to listen to that opinion. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's good. Good. Yep. All right. Well, that's good. That's good. Um, so next we will look at letter 21 on the, the next episode. So yeah. Thanks so much for talking about this guys. hope you guys have uh, uh, enjoyed the conversation. We hope it's been encouraging and we hope uh, that uh, you're reading uh, through this. If you have a copy and uh, that you're enjoying the, uh, 
the letters here as we go through the screw tape letters. So thank you so much for joining us. Take care and uh, have a great week.